0: live from the nixcast anthropological institute today we're talking sailor moon welcome to this week's episode of anthropological The show where we look at fandoms one at a time. No fandom too big, no fandom too small. And most importantly, everyone's a fan. With me today to uh, discuss Sailor Moon are my two best friends, G. Yellow. And T.
1: Why, hello there.
0: So today we've come together to talk about Sailor Moon. What is Sailor Moon?
1: That sounds like the answer to a, to the Jeopardy question, Z. Ooh. Correct.
0: <laughs>
1: Thank you, Mr. Trebek. <laughs> uh, so, since I apparently I'm just owning this this part of the show, I guess <laughs> uh, Sailor Moon, also known as Sailor Moon or Bishojo Senshi Sailor Moon, sometimes translated as Pretty Soldier or Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, was originally a shoujo manga created by Naoko Takeuchi. It's notable for being one of the first Magical Girl mangas that has a group of Magical Girls instead of just one. Mm. The manga has been adapted into an extremely popular anime, a stage musical, and a live-action TV series. Started in 1991 as a manga, and the most recent entry in the franchise was the 2014 anime Sailor Moon Crystal. Most of that, of course, has come from fan lore, but uh, amalgamated a little bit at the end there. Thank you, fan lore, for being such a fantastic source of information.
2: mm mm-hmm.
3: Fan are a valuable resource as we go through this podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and obviously, Salem, we're talking about not the show Sailor Moon, we are talking about the fans of Sailor Moon.
0: Yes.
3: The only real term I found to uh, describe these fans was Moonies, which is... Uh, unfortunate. Unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the only one that I came across as well. Um, but it fits.
1: It fits. Okay, cool. Super. <laughs>
3: <laughs> not the least of which is that Google describes Moonies as a member of the Unification Church. Uh, or that uh, that cult, or unless that was the Unification Church. I believe so. Oh, okay. From the name of its founder, Sung Myung Moon. Oh, okay. Those are not people that we were talking about. We are no. talking about fans we're, of Sailor Moon. Yeah, we are talking about Sailor Moon fans. Yep.
0: Yep, yep we're talking about fans of uh, something that uh, some young Japanese woman made. Ah. Is this thing on?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. So one of the things, one of my favorite parts of this podcast is the bits of trivia because we usually find something different amongst the three of us.
2: <laughs> so I'm going to
1: pose the question that I usually end up asking, which is what interesting things did you guys find about Sailor Moon fans? Because I found a tie-in to a previous episode and a tie-in to a future episode.
3: Oh, wow. We're moving through. The fourth dimension here. Yes. (laughs) All right, go for it. Okay,
1: I'll do the previous episode
3: because, I
1: mean, that seems kind of relevant. All right, so talking about the previous episode, last week we talked about Twilight. This week we're talking about Sailor Moon. So, Mm -hmm. apparently, Marissa Meyer used to write Sailor Moon fan fiction. That part doesn't surprise me too much, that there's an author that writes a lot of fan fiction. But what does surprise me is that you can still actually find her fan fiction online where she's very open and forthcoming about who she is and what she writes about Uh, i found Mm -hmm. that an article called seven authors who wrote fan fiction because it is actually the best Uh, she was number five on the list (laughs) (laughs) wow so take that time twilight to sailor moon where was el james on the list
3: i very curious i
1: will be completely honest i did not look at the rest of the list i was on a mission
3: (laughs) still a cliffhanger for those uh (laughs) check the show notes and you can find out for yourself
0: yeah if we're talking about uh connections i can uh, connect this section to a later section of the show okay because (laughs) one of the one of the bits of trivia that i stumbled across was the number of people who signed the petition the internet petition no less to keep sailor moon on the air the save our sailors and later the support our sailors oh yeah campaign hey remember yeah, this so this is something that a little bit of background here it's something that happened in the middle of the 1990s a time when the internet sounded like a fax machine being <laughs> tortured by a <laughs> cheese grater <laughs> <laughs> and when the internet was also not nearly as big i don't think google was around yet so if you needed to go somewhere no, on sir. the internet you had to just know the address
3: or good all altavista maybe uh, yahoo altavista Vista, Dogpile. <laughs> We, yeah. Um, Lycos, Excite, <laughs> WebCrawler.
0: <laughs> oh, WebCrawler.
1: Uh, Do you want us to name a few more?
3: Bing? No. Hot Hot Hotbot? Uh, I did perhaps not use that
1: one. That one. Ask
0: nor, Jeeves, nor did I. Mm, it a little Ask little Jeeves. Sketchy. Don't forget Ask, Ask Jeeves. Jeeves, yeah. Okay,
3: this is getting a bit <laughs> off. <laughs> and they all and, merged into one being known as Google. Yep. I mean, I don't think they did, but basically <laughs> uses anything other than Google, so <laughs> I might as well have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But the point is, the internet was not as advanced or as uh, easily traveled as it is today. And yet, the campaign, this petition to keep Sailor Moon on the air, managed to get 12,500 signatures.
1: That seems pretty significant for the mid-90s. This is
3: pre-change.org, you guys. Yeah, that too. (laughs) This is is circling the web rings.
0: (laughs) Yeah, oh man, web rings, yes.
3: Alright. So, tangentially about the fans, I can make it about the fans. But, uh, it's more about the property itself. Okay. But, I mean, there are people in Japan who are only fans of the Sailor Moon musicals. Mm. Of which there are just under 30. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not know this. Whoa. And, eventually, the musicals kind of their own storyline and introduce new characters, including a sailor Vulcan.
2: Ooh,
1: wait, like what kind of Vulcan here? What are we talking <laughs> about? Are, we, are you tying it back to the first episode?
3: <laughs> yeah. Are we talking like planet uh,
1: Vulcan? Like a, the actual, is there a planet? Is that a moon? I don't know. I'm bad with astronomy. Uh,
3: you'll have to see the musical to find it.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> All right. I actually have several ties. I have a tie... From this week's episode to next week's episode. Right. Wait, sorry. Next, it, next. A few. Okay, it's the future episode that we <laughs> planned on doing, <laughs> as opposed to a future episode which I'm sure we'll end up doing.
3: This is the future. <laughs> you'll already know if we've done
1: it. Yeah. Um. So apparently, Susan Roman, the voice actress of Sailor Jupiter, the first voice mm-hmm. actress, because there's been a lot uh, from the North American dub, uh, is a fan of Harry Potter. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, I found that out while reading an article. Uh, uh, it was actually an interview with Linda Ballantyne, Uh but there was also they also had the chance to interview Susan Roman, so that was really cool.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of my researching kind of like, well, it kind of circled around Sailor Moon and Sailor Moon fans, and uh, it kind of it kind of got into this weird place from the '90s where uh, a few people were concerned about. Western culture being taken over by this Japanimation craze. Oh boy. And one such a scathing critic wrote an article defending Barbie against Sailor Moon, basically saying Barbie's stronger than she looks. What did Sailor, Sailor Moon say about Barbie? Well, okay, I guess there's some, Probably some background. Probably something about fighting here.
3: for love
1: and justice. That's what it <laughs> sounds like her.
0: Well, okay, little bit of background. little setup. A spokesperson for the company that was bringing Sailor Moon over to the U.S. from Japan uh, summed up the need for Sailor Moon thusly. Today's little girls want to be just as strong as boys. Barbie is not really an appropriate role model anymore. Interesting. So running with that sentiment, this writer penned a column in which he describes the various tests and... Uh, rigors that a Barbie doll has to go through before it's up to snuff, as it were, and ends the article by saying, step off, Sailor Moon.
3: Wow, sounds like a lot of comparing apples and oranges to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can either of you guess the name of this, this 90s comedian slash columnist? Here's a big hint. There was a late 90s sitcom based... On some of his books, and its theme song went a little something like this. Is this
1: why we're doing this? Okay, cool. Just go <laughs> you,
0: for it. Oh, thank you, God. <laughs> you might be right. I might be crazy, but I might just be the lunatic you're looking for.
3: That is a Billy Joel song.
0: Also used as the theme song to this guy's show. I
3: don't know.
1: Norm MacDonald.
0: We've got a Norm MacDonald and.
3: I'm way wrong. Uh, let's see. Polly Shore.
0: Polly Shore too too fairly obscure now anyway comedians,
3: but <laughs> you could not escape Polly Shore at the time.
0: Yeah. That's why I say obscure now. But this guy, he was obscure then and he's even more obscure now. I'm talking of course about Mr. David Berry.
1: Yep. that's ah. a name I don't
3: recognize. I do because I work at the used bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of his books come in I don't I know boy. he had a show
0: he well, he was weirdly enough, he wasn't on it. He wrote a bunch of books, and some of some of his books inspired a show that was called oh. Dave's World, but oh. he was not playing himself. It seemed like a sort of strange thing, but the nineties
3: yeah, sure, sure, so yeah, I don't know how concerned they had to be about Japanimation taking over anything. <laughs> Japanimation in quotes <laughs> because when they brought Sailor Moon over not only did they like Americanize a lot of stuff mm-hmm. like you know pork buns became donuts and etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, yeah um, they flipped the image when it showed anyone driving <laughs> really I did you know what Be- I did not know that <laughs> because wow. the kids that were watching it We're going to be like, you know what? No. (laughs) That's not right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's that's bizarre. Like, usually people behind kids' cartoons don't give them any credit. But to give them enough credit to think that they will notice people driving on the wrong side. But,
3: like, obviously they wouldn't, right? No. I
0: don't
3: know, the Americanization was very strict. And... And I'm oh, sure and, we're going to get to that. And oh, yes, and it is know. with a heavy heavy heart that I announce that no longer on the internet companion site to Nick's cast favorite website DBZ uncensored, <laughs> Sailor Moon uncensored is no longer available.
1: Uh, no it's probably in the man. web archive.
3: It's probably somewhere in the web archive.
1: Okay. So talking uh, about talking about like man. ancient 90s Breeze over my grief, please. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. But interesting (laughs) '90s um, quirks. I found out about something called the Mooney Code. Did either of you guys?
0: Mooney Code. The
1: Mooney Code. Nope. It is a. It was apparently developed in 1997, based off of something earlier uh, called the Geek Code in 1993. And this is going to be really hard to communicate over an oral medium. But I will. You're
3: going to try. But
1: I'm going to try. So basically what people would do is in their signature for their email or on a news group or in a forum, although based on the reading, this is pre-forum, people would include uh, this thing called the Mooney Code. And what it would be is a series of obscure letters and numbers. And I will include it in the show notes because it is a mess. (laughs) Um, But it's like so it'll start with SM colon five plus. And it's like, okay, cool. What does that mean? And it means on a scale of 1 to 10, you're between a 5 and a 6 as a Sailor Moon fan. Whoa. Then there'll be some other block, which is like F colon VM9 plus bracket plus bracket, etc. F is for favorites. V is for villains. So mm-hmm. M9 is Mistress 9. I, I don't remember a lot of the... a lot of. Okay, the I vaguely remember
3: hearing Mistress 9.
1: Uh, and so the plus means... Liking that character quite a bit, and the bracket plus bracket means liking them more and more. Hmm. Anyway, apparently people would put these things in their their email signatures and their what have yous as an indication of how fanish they were. The geek code was similar, except the the codes were simpler.
3: To explain to some of the younger listeners who weren't around at the time, there were not as many characters as there are now. You had to just really cram everything in. <laughs> One long, weird, almost unintelligible code in order to convey information to other people. You paid by the character, I'm pretty sure.
0: <laughs> my my question about either code, Sailor Moon or Geek, is like I'm I'm guessing that these are included in the signatures in emails or messages that you're sending to other people you're pretty sure will understand the code. So why not just say like with full sentences or even just words the
1: same reason that we use all sorts of uh quotes and other things in normal language because it shows that you're part
3: of an in group yeah yeah maybe maybe it was like oh i'm just sending this out here oh if if you don't know what it is oh it's just a bunch of weird stuff that appeared at the bottom who knows what's going on the server but if you know what it is yeah all right then you're like hey you like you know give it a little wink like hey
0: I guess I just... I know what's up. I... Yeah. Yeah. Like, keep
1: in mind that not everybody would have had email. That's true. And so you may have just had an email just so that you could participate in a mailing list or something like that. True. Yeah. So that was an interesting little tidbit Mm. that I found. Uh, Another quickie. I apparently found out that uh, there is a Sailor Moon fan club. That part's not surprising. But mm-hmm. starting very recently, the Sailor Moon fan club, the current club called Pretty Guardians 2016-2017, what's going to happen at the end of 2017? Who knows? <laughs> Apparently, it officially opened outside of Japan.
3: Yeah. Yes, I saw an article about that.
1: Yes, I'm sure I figured that
0: <laughs> that would yeah. come
3: up. It, well, it's it's very recent news. Yes. Did
0: you read about what happened when they opened up registration? I did not. It crashed the site. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... Not surprised? <laughs> Apparently it crashed the site and they like sort of pulled back and said, "Uh, we'll open up registration again at a later date uh, to be announced. And it sounds like they're putting on a, some sort of cap to the number of people that they're accepting into the, the fan club. And I don't think that's because of the site being overwhelmed when they opened up registration. I think it's just because the club is very exclusive.
3: It sounds it.
0: Yeah, which, for a fan club, seems kind of odd.
3: It sounds like you get some pretty some pretty dope stuff.
0: Yeah. And also access to even more dope stuff. Like, over in Japan, apparently, there are things like podcasts that are available only to members and all sorts of crazy stuff.
3: Man. Yeah. So, T, you did not read the full name of the fan club.
1: Do you mean the part where what? the,
3: like... Guardians of 2016 <laughs> are rammed together. Pretty Guardians 2016 to 2017. Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon 20th Anniversary Official Fan Club. <laughs> okay, yeah, that yeah. Now, admittedly, it sounds like there was a reason that you didn't, but uh, <laughs> that is the full, according to the article, the full name of the club.
1: Yeah, it was a little lengthy. A little bit. While well, looking through fan lore, mm-hmm. and this is this is mostly related to. To Sailor Moon, but kind of touches on it. I found out that Naoko Takauchi collects fanfic, what? and in the author notes she actually mm. encourages fans to continue writing fanfic for her universe.
0: Oh wow!
3: Interesting. I, I guess there's no like promise of like I will use it, but no, just like no, no, no. she should <laughs> which is totally fair. Mm-hmm. But just like like I enjoy that you enjoy it, kind of thing. She likes. Like, people for like up with a lot of ideas that she didn't even think of.
0: Totally. I feel like this is stepping a little bit outside of the realm of trivia, but when uh, the show was going off the air in North America, apparently that's when a lot of people started to take to fan fiction uh, for Sailor Moon because they wanted more stories, so they had to make them up themselves.
1: It's funny because if, if you did that now, what would happen is people would just release a comic and then it would kind of just live on in
3: comic form. Hmm. Oh, well, Doctor Who did that. Not the, well, sort of the comics, but like just just wrote wrote a bunch of stories, except they published them. <laughs>
1: yeah. I have uh, I have one piece of trivia, which is our future tie. It ties us to Crystal Tokyo in the future.
3: Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wanted a reason to go there.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, to go to Crystal Tokyo. I've I've heard it's fantastic. Aside from all the attacks, <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping to go there during like non-attack season. Oh, okay. Like peace mm-hmm. season. But if you if you do it during P season, we won't get to see the sailor scouts. So ah we got to just be leaving when the attacks. You know what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a tie-in to Transformers fandom, and mostly just to Transformers. Apparently, and I only did this. I only discovered this accidentally as I was mentally preparing for the for the the show today when I was getting into the research mindset. I was listening to the Sailor Moon songs from the hit TV series soundtrack.
3: A dynamite remember? soundtrack.
1: Uh, I I think I think it still holds up.
3: I I had it on cassette. I listened to Rainy Day Man the other day. Nice. Wow. Well, and it was great.
1: Big fan of Only a Memory. Way.
3: My second favorite. Moving
1: uh, on. Huh. So apparently <laughs> there is a song on that album called "She's Got the Power," which is performed by. Stan Bush, oh, <laughs> who you may know as the vocalist, perhaps the, the writer of the song, The Touch. The Touch? Yeah, from uh, the Transformers movie. Yeah.
3: Oh.
0: You got the touch. Bang, yeah. bang, bang, you got the power.
3: <laughs> I ain't seen no any kind of Transformers movie. Oh. oh. All right. Well, that was my tie into to the future.
0: Man, man, Yeah.
3: When you said, she's got the power, I was going to say, I remember it well, but I don't. I remember it, but not well. Yeah, hmm. I did I did not remember it at all.
1: Even though I'm pretty sure I got that album from you or somebody else. And Oh, I had, I had it on cassette tape. Like, yeah.
3: Little little inside knowledge here. I was a pretty big Sailor Moon fan when I was a kid. I had a friend that got me into it. I started watching it. I'd watched Dragon Ball Z when I was, I don't know, six, maybe? But I didn't register like, oh, this is anime. <laughs> or like, this is japanimation or whatever <laughs> it was just another saturday morning cartoon yeah right i watched it a lot when i was when i was like five or six and then probably forgot about it but when i saw sailor moon i was a little older that was the first one where i was like ah this is this is anime this is japanimation this is that stuff everyone's talking about so it was pretty much the only anime on for a while yeah and so because i enjoyed like watching all like the tropes of anime and like a little sweat drop and uh <laughs> the tears and just everything everything being a little bit different and it being serialized i mean the first first episodes were a little episodic yeah but it did have like an, an ongoing arc which very few other cartoons did at the time so it was basically my gateway into anime and it was like the only anime available so i watched it I watched a bunch of it, but as with Dragon Ball Z, as we'd find out, there were only a certain amount of episodes that were brought over to North America and they just keep replaying them. So after a while, I lost interest, but I was, uh, I was big into it. I had stickers. I had bubble stickers. I had a binder printed out in the internet of signs that you may watch too much Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember any of those? Um. Let's see. It was like it was like you in, in like a a half asleep haze, you flip the channel to find Popeye the Sailor Scout. <laughs> and Popeye the Sailor Scout. Uh you have a long protracted debate over whether there is a sailor from the tenth planet Chiron. <laughs> and one of them was like, You made this list. Yeah. I don't remember too many other ones.
1: So, one of the interesting things about looking back on Sailor Moon fandom, much like looking back on Star Trek fandom and getting this interesting history of of fandom from the, the 60s or what, whatnot, Sailor Moon fandom is an interesting tale as it's the history of the 90s. And this doesn't come from any of the research that I did, but it reminded me of it. One of the things that I remember a lot from the late 90s and early 2000s was... Fans would make these lists. You know you're a blank fan
3: yeah. when, and they it were was, very popular. It was a lot of like, because it was kind of inside-y, like kind yeah. of inside jokes. But at the same time, just like, like funny. Yeah. So so it was like it was it was a bit of a celebration, just to read one of those lists and be like, ah, oh, it seems.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like you know, you play too much Zelda when you drink a blue raspberry Slurpee and think that it recovers your <laughs> magic and your hearts. <laughs> When
1: I actually got into the research, I unearthed history that I probably should have gone into a bit more, but just reminded me of a couple interesting things about the internet at the time. Did, did either of you look into alt.fan.sailormoon?
3: No. Ooh, I might have at the time, okay. but not, <laughs> not for this
1: <laughs> So what, what's interesting is uh, that is not a website, that is a, a news group, which... I mean, at this point, I don't even think they're they're used hardly at all. I think most of the Usenet servers are actually down. But it was a Usenet site, which was kind of like a... Oh, man, I actually used to use this for class in, in university, which either tells you something about university or tells something about how old I am. I'm not sure which. <laughs> but in any case, what you would do is you'd use this like news client and it would subscribe to basically like a, a channel, in this case, uh, AFS-M, and... At the time, a lot of these were moderated news groups, so the only content that could make things into there was very like edited, censored, etc. The Sailor Moon one was completely open. Anyone could post anything, which meant you'd get a lot of spam, but you'd also get a lot of discussion. You'd get a lot of everything. While doing a little bit of research on this, I found out that, one, it was very popular... Had hundreds of messages per day at the height of the Sailor Moon S dub, which I think is the second season. But obviously, this is the third season. Oh, third season. Okay. Oh, that makes sense because that's when that was the season where the dub stopped like
3: midway through the season. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah, it was it was R and then S. Okay. I wish they could have used numbers.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If we were talking about the show, one of us probably would have figured out why that was, but we're not. So, talk about the fans. Apparently, because that happened in, like, the mid-90s, also forums actually became possible, so the news group kind of died down after that. Yeah. I found out that it was the source of a couple different memes, which are, I guess, apocryphal at this point. Ooh. Um, there was one which was about Memoru is Setsuna. Uh, Memoru is Darian in the English dub, and Satsuna is Pluto? Yes. Yep. There was apparently a very popular fan theory that the two were the same character because they never appeared in the same <laughs> room at the same time. They must be. <laughs> Jeepers Creepers. There was a fanfic called Otaku Wars, which started off as somebody trying to argue which senshi is the best before um, Ray showed up in a space battleship firing a VHS track across the bow. The fanfic started in 1997, and peace was declared in
3: 2003. It's- that's quite the, quite the war, yeah. longer than World War One.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I found out a really ridiculous uh, meme at the time, which was called Serena Gravy.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> and I, I probably should have read through the entire thread, but it starts with just this one person posting, and I'm going to read it exactly as it is written. How much gravy do Serena does she make?
3: There's a lot of facets to that question. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Um, But, like, this was early Sailor Moon fandom. This was just, like, an open place of discussion. And I think that's really cool, because now that kind of community can exist, but doesn't happen in the same way, I guess.
3: Not quite. It doesn't feel Mm. as... It wouldn't wouldn't quite be as exciting as it would be then. No. Because it's like, oh... I wonder if I could find some Sailor Moon fans. Yes. R slash Sailor Moon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about the early internet, in my reading up on the SOS, Save Our Sailors... I do remember that. ...campaign, I I don't. But one of the things that I discovered about it was that one of the main people behind it, Chi Bing Hung, Mm -hmm. was a student at Stony Brook U in New York... And apparently the server space and bandwidth for the site, Save Our Sailors, was provided by Stony Brook U of New York, this guy's university, and also iwaynet.net hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. Well, that, that, you know, like, it was taken so seriously that this student at this university was able to, like, get the university to provide bandwidth and in server space.
3: What was the ultimate outcome of save our sailors? Uh,
1: several things. So one of which was actually spreading misinformation about the show. (laughs) (laughs) So I was reading this article on the Mary Sue. It was a rather extensive history of sailor moon, but I only read part three because that was the only part that was about the fandom,
3: the ridiculously Mm -hmm. comprehensive history of sailor moon by Victoria McNally. Yes. Just a guess. Yeah, no, no big deal.
2: (laughs) Um,
1: In the article, they were trying to avoid uh, drawing any particular criticism of that group because they they did do some good things. But when I went to other articles that had mentioned Save Our Sailors, Mm -hmm. one of the things that came up was whether it was deliberate misinformation or trying to persuade uh, people who were hesitant to bring the show over because of some of the nature of the later seasons. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, I think
1: it was actually Sailor Moon R where they introduced... Haruna and Michiru?
3: Yes. Yes, yes, I think so.
1: Which are sailors Uranus and Neptune? Yep. And they are canon lesbians. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so as part of the petitioning, they tried to kind of mask that fact where they're like, oh, well, you know, one of these sailor scouts was actually a guy, but then they were reincarnated as a woman. Mm. So, And this was like which I don't think is actually true based on the reading that I did. Anyway, so that was one of the things. And also um, pop notes was... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say also zoisite and Malachite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I like there's lots of stuff to talk about yeah. in the other segment. But I mean, that was one of the bits of information that they, they spread. I think it was an effort to try to convince people. that's like, no, no, don't worry about this. This isn't objectionable. It's fine. Which was one of the arguments for, for Bring It Over, I guess, censorship. Yeah. Another part of that campaign was one of the main advertisers during sailor moon was pop tarts Mm -hmm. so they thought that if i can't remember if it was they petitioned pop tarts or you bought a lot of pop tarts that that might help spur on bringing the show back
3: uh the old chuck gambit (laughs) well
1: (laughs) pre-chuck Pre, it was pre chuck, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and But what happened was the show came back and Save Our Sailors attributed it to that. But one of the main advertisers when it came back was actually Kellogg's, so it had nothing to do with it.
0: Oh.
1: Or General Mills, Kellogg's, whatever.
0: I think General Mills because if you go to the website Save Our Sailors, there's a list of the companies that uh, that helped out, that gave their support. And General Mills is on the list along with things like the Cartoon Network. Kodansha Comics, Nielsen Media Research, Pioneer slash Genian Entertainment, Toy Animation, Canada's own YTV.
1: Hey. Oh, yes. A chorus Entertainment Company.
0: And that's <laughs> right. Oh, man. So, I mean, as, as much inf- misinformation as it sounds like they did spread, they had a lot of support. So, I mean, they were doing something right.
3: I mean... I still I still feel I need to catch up on the rest because, like, I didn't see anything post Save Our Sailors.
0: Man. Well, apparently, actually, a bunch of people from the website moved on to another site called Moon Chase, which is a fan site that attempts to bring you all the latest news and sightings and, like, merchandise information related to Sailor Moon. Ah.
3: Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> Um, so fans have not stopped trying to petition for changes, uh, with regards to Sailor Moon. Okay. All right. Did anybody else come across WeWantSerena.com?
1: No. No.
3: Oh, okay. If you could see the look on my face. Bit of a long read, but I think it's going to be worth it. Okay. All right. This is, this is the manifesto of WeWantSerena.com okay keep going get going all right (laughs) (laughs) right. this site has been constructed by fans of sailor moon to advocate one goal let sailor moon keep the name serena in her civilian form in any english language version of the 1990s sailor moon televised animated series this is not a petition for or against a re-release of the old sailor moon anime or re-recording its audio all we want to hear is the name serena if that animated series returns to television in an english-speaking market Why did we need to create this website? Because we discovered that a vocal minority of English-speaking Sailor Moon fans had been driving the discussion of Sailor Moon across the internet. They gave the impression that they wanted Sailor Moon to not be translated, but to be brought forth as Japanese as possible. They do not want a product in English, but one that is a mixture of English and Japanese languages. Contrary to the perception that has been shaped by the internet, countless fans of Sailor Moon in North America prefer the existing adaptation, which included a localization of the names and music. Sailor Moon fans who watch Sailor Moon on North American television do not want to see the same footage they watched as a child, with completely different music and names that do not match the characters they were previously shown. We do not want a new generation of Sailor Moon fans to present it a completely different product from what we grew up with using the same footage of the show we watched and loved." However, the re-released manga from Kodensha USA reflected the demands of the vocal internet fans and for those of us who disagreed, this was the last straw. All across the internet, fans of Sailor Moon have criticized the error-filled volumes. In spite of what certain industry insiders have commented, fans of Sailor Moon do not want a product with unnaturally constructed English words that mimic Japanese grammar to the point of incomprehensibility. In fact, many fans do not want stereotypical Japanese names. The re-released volumes of Sailor Moon have sold well in spite of this mistreatment, not because of it. We want to add a collective voice to those who are displeased with the direction the manga has taken and to make it known that to us, Serena is Sailor Moon and that Sailor Moon is Serena. We want Serena as Sailor Moon. Wow.
0: Whew. Jeez.
3: That is a... Uh, wow.
0: Oh, man. I mean, f- like... Like, culturally, Usagi is as much of a spoiler as Serena, but still... Still... <laughs>
3: i upon it via the article on the site called Saying No to the Other Name oh, wow. and lists several points as to why the other name is inappropriate to use in North America.
0: Be- because it's a Japanese word? Do you want I me to mean, go through them?
3: Do you want me to read them? No, please don't. No, please no don't. don't. No. I mean, okay. I'm
0: just, just going to get in the jive uh, because, it's, because it's a name that's in moonspeak.
3: Damn, uh, please don't do that. I'm not. I'm not going to you. Alright. Cool. Find it. Find it in the show notes. It is yeah. fascinating. Man, I man. mean, that is
1: fascinating because <laughs> that that touches on something which I mean we've only rarely touched in a previous podcast, but hasn't really been talked about either. The whole this is like the beginning of the sub versus dub, and it's not really about the difference in the languages. It's mostly about hearing similar stories told in different ways and just being brought up with them.
3: Yeah. And um, I think this is slightly before the release of Sailor Moon Crystal and having watched some of Sailor Moon Crystal, I'm so sorry. People who run me want Serena.com because they (laughs) definitely did not get their wish. (laughs) (laughs) So talking about the, the
1: manifesto about Serena, I came across something that is probably the most true to that wish they could possibly find. So despite all of the localization efforts for the manga, the television series, one series that I suppose that has never made it across to North America is Sailor Moon Stars or Sailor Stars. Okay. Yeah. The the like pre-crystal season where you have the three Starlights who are men who transform into Sailor Scouts and they're pop stars and there's another smaller Sailor Moon. Anyway, Apparently, a group, um, and they are not the first group. I, f- I found an earlier group, um, Mark Sprague. Sprague, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce that. He made a, a fan dub that took over from uh, after the Cloverway dub stopped. But uh, this group, Fighters for Love, mm-hmm. who made the Stars fan dub, mm-hmm. and you can go to starsfandub.com. And I did watch through a bunch of this. It is a very impressive, true to the Deek dub like re uh, I don't even know like adaptation of the the Sailor Moon stars really season so it's they've taken the same opening except they've used clips from that season they include all of the goofy transitions they've included the beginning of episode it's like Sailor Moon's <laughs> really in a pickle this episode guys how will she mirrors are like evil and stuff it's <laughs> like what will they do like they've got all of that
3: they got it down
1: They've got it true to it. So whoever wrote that manifesto, those folks are with you.
0: I find it, I find it really fascinating that uh, the people behind WeWantSerena.com are so adamant about maintaining the sort of Englishness of the original dub and like keeping as much sort of Japaneseness out of it as possible. Because in this article that I read by Mary Grigsby called "Superheroine Meets Barbie, one of the points that she makes was that it seems like Sailor Moon is this thing that basically embodies Western values that have been Japanized.
2: Huh.
1: I don't really... Well, like, her
0: her point is that, you know, culturally, Japan um, women are very much in the private sphere. They're, They're places in the house more or less. Ooh, okay. They're, they're the, they're the, uh, the bearers of, of uh, romantic emotions in the Japanese sort of uh, social milieu, whereas you know, in the West, women have uh, have more freedom, have more ability to, you know, have a career or just be out there as individuals, whereas that's not the case in Japan. But then you get this thing like Sailor Moon, well, you get Sailor Moon. And it's it's all about this group of girls who have this power to like cross the threshold between childhood and adulthood, between these different roles and these different different things that they can do. These superpowers that they have enabled them to break free of the the monotony of basically if you're a woman in Japan the best thing you can do is to be a mother because that, that's the only way you could really traditionally be powerful.
1: That is a fantastic segue Z. And that brings me to what I think came up quite a bit in my research and probably your guys' research as, as well um, on Sailor Moon fandom. And that was this idea of, um, at first I thought it was strictly feminism, but it, it was this crossing of feminism and femininity and how uh, how magical girls in general, but more specifically Sailor Moon, was really this like strong feminist touchstone for a lot of people growing up. Did what did you guys? Am I am I crazy in saying? Oh that? no! Um,
3: one thing I found interesting actually was uh, Naoko Takuchi um, thought up Sailor Moon by watching Super Sentai. Yeah, I mean, like I want to make a girls' version of this.
0: Yep. Ooh.
3: And one thing that was repeatedly pointed out, it's like that this, you know, there had been magical girl animes before, but this is one where there were like stakes and the girls were using it to like save the world instead of just like be silly or something. (laughs) There was like a purpose to their, to their powers. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was an all female team fighting to save the world.
1: What was also interesting about that is it's an all-female team and it's not just they're all the same person right oh no here's a quote from an article that i i read called how sailor moon may be a feminist an ode to magical girl shows they're girls we can relate to who are not perfect and have real life problems and yet are still admirable Usagi herself often cries is clumsy eats a lot of junk gets bad grades and yet she's still a caring person who over the course of the story matures into a determined woman who is more than ready to fill the big shoes awaiting her as Neo-Queen Serenity of Crystal Tokyo. But as mentioned before, if you can't relate to Usagi, or the many other magical girl protagonists made in her image, there are usually other characters who fit the bill. And then many people mentioned the wide variety of of character archetypes within Sailor Moon. In particular, a lot of people highlighted Makoto, which is Sailor Jupiter, how she's very tomboyish and um, not particularly feminine, And who actually learned... uh, Oh, I wish I could remember the anecdote. Something about... She actually learned to cook. Oh, that's right. I remember that episode. Oh, here it was. Um, Additionally, the series often makes a point of commenting on how the less traditionally feminine girls have trouble coping with gender roles. Like how Makoto learned to cook because she was mocked for being a tomboy. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, Amy is very bookish and Makoto is uh, athletic. Michiru is artistic. And so all of these people succeed in their own ways. You don't have to be like, there's no ideal of femininity. I mean, the girls all look pretty. Mm. Um, and another piece that I read actually talked about how that probably has a lot more to do with Naoko Takeuchi's view of herself.
2: Ah, okay. But also, I mean,
1: yeah. that's not like, that's just a general uh, anime and, and manga and cartoon thing, right? Like a lot of them are idealized versions of,
0: people yeah yeah actually in an interview that i read um that was with naoko takeuchi she had said that like she was asked which one is her favorite who's her favorite sailor scout and she said well sailor moon because her personality is modeled after me so
3: <laughs> fair enough
0: yeah and i mean the the style of uh, of of art that she uses is there's like there's a tradition there as much as there is in the vein of uh, people like Osamu Tezuka, um, but like Sailor Moon is definitely following in the footsteps as far as its art direction anyway, um, of things like the Rose of Versailles, mm. which which is a a manga, and I think there's an anime later on um, about the daughter of a French general during the time of Marie Antoinette. But because she is the daughter of a general, she's trained and treated like a boy, so she is like given this position of power and treated in society like a boy, even though she's a woman, and that leads to all sorts of complications, like not zany complications necessarily, but like relationship complications, social complications, all of that stuff.
1: When did Utena come out? Nineteen ninety six was the manga.
3: Okay. All right.
1: So after Sailor Moon. Coincidence. I think not. I mean, <laughs> time
0: is not a coincidence. No, no.
1: One of the things that came up a lot outside of just, hey, Sailor Moon is very uh, pro, pro-feminism, pro was just how relatable um, Sailor Moon and the different characters were. I was reading this interesting story mm-hmm. um, of a young woman who's... Uh, The story was told about her over her life, but it was about her parents had gone through a divorce and they discovered Sailor Moon and it was them understanding their their gender. It's from the article, What I Learned About Gender and Power from Sailor Moon. And touching on what you mentioned earlier, Z, about kind of the idealized Western values, but from a slightly different perspective. Mm hmm. Uh, she wrote in this article, I realize now that being a girl, or identifying as one, is one of the hardest roles to inhabit in this world. A girl is supposed to be so many things. Attractive, graceful, polite, quiet, valuable, valueless. But none of these traits guarantee that she'll be taken as seriously as a thinking and feeling human being. On the other hand, the absence of those traits can often invite violence, or at the very least, judgment. And But like Sailor Moon contrast that because later in that article the person is like Moon isn't just fighting aliens but a world of adults who want to destroy everything beautiful and girls in order to save the people she loves she fights and gets hurt and breaks down and even completely fails at times and when she can manage it she tries to save the monsters too yeah and like i I have just like a huge list of like heartwarming quotes about the sense of equality and countering like I don't want to say it's anti-masculine, but just like countering this idea that masculinity is, is necessary or like the way to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Trying to break down the, the kind of, well, not kind of the gender hierarchy, that idea that says that, you know, men are at the top of some kind of ladder and women are one, one rung down they could ever be as good kind of thing.
3: Tuxedo mask is really the token guy, wasn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's such a hunkmeister. Just thought,
3: yeah. <laughs> okay. So there was there was a really
1: good article that I read on Tumblr from a a, a Tumblr fandoms and feminism which cited some other source. It'll it'll show up in the show notes, but what they were talking about was how Naoko modeled Tuxedo Mask as kind of the ideal boyfriend, mm-hmm. which doesn't come across as as well in the anime as it does in the manga where he's Super supportive. He's actually very much a doormat. Ah. But it's more so about Sailor Moon's like, I'm like having a bad time because it's really hard to literally save the world. (laughs) Yeah. And Tuxedo Mask is just like, no worries, I got you. And then later on in the series, it's, they, you know, again, with Tuxedo Mask being one of the only male characters, Tuxedo Mask actually gets captured and the Sailor Scouts save him.
2: Ah, that's true. Yeah.
1: And... It's not like, oh, I could have done it myself. Like, Tuxedo Mask <laughs> as a male character is actually very, like, apologetic.
3: And, it, like, he's described as being the ideal boyfriend. Yeah. Sounded like the, some, of the, some of the characteristics were, like, punched up or changed a little bit going from manga to anime.
1: Uh, yeah. So the quote that I have is, I think it was correct of Naogo to note, when asked about the difference between the manga and the anime, that her story is a story by a woman, about women, and for women, And that men are involved in the anime, so there's a male influence there. And some of the examples they cited were, you know, making uh, Sailor Moon more frail. There was a lot of stuff about body positivity that was not great in the manga early on, but doesn't come off as badly in the anime because, um, like, I guess having male authors, they don't really think about that as much. Fair. But it it was a really interesting comparison of the the two. Uh, I thought it would be more about feminism in general, but it was comparing and contrasting the differences in the anime and the manga about how that, that feminism is portrayed.
0: Yeah.
3: Even on the evil side, at the, at the outside of the series, you have four male generals underneath Queen Beryl. Yeah. Uh, touching on something that, that you mentioned, Z,
1: I was reading another article, The Feminism of Sailor Moon, which talked about something that I hadn't thought about until... Well, I, I thought about it beforehand, but I didn't think about it again until you mentioned that that bit about the western ideals oh, yeah and it was uh one of the more interesting subtexts of the old anime is how often consumerism is used to take advantage of young women yes sailor moon feels like it's training girls to be constantly wary of situations where people are trying to sell you things when Usagi transforms into sailor moon to defeat jadeite she accompanies it with a speech about the evils of taking advantage of young girls dreams for selfish harmful gains yep huh. And I was just like, I hadn't thought about that because the first season is a lot of uh, makeup, jewelry,
3: modeling. That's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that. Well, the article by Mary Grigsby that I referred to earlier actually closes out with the the statement that, like, throughout the article, she's talking about how there's this tension in Japanese culture at the time in the 90s um, between basically the very, very traditional idea that you know women have power in, in the private sphere in the home men have the power outside of it in the public sphere. And that was kind of breaking down as more ideas came in and Japan became more and more uh, affluent, basically. And she concludes her article by saying that Sailor Moon resolves the friction between Western and traditional values by juvenilizing the adult female, and repudiating the role of mother, and embracing values of consumer culture. Hmm. Because, like, in the 90s, I don't know what it was, but, like, On the business side of bringing anime over, specifically Sailor Moon, there was a lot of talk about how it could be used to merchandise things. And I think part of it is because previous properties that had come over from Japan, like like the Power Rangers, were very much about being cross-media properties, so to speak.
3: I had a lot of Power Rangers junk.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like there were the toys there's a show, there's all sorts of stuff. And I think, like, when people were bringing Sailor Moon over, they were really excited that that same thing would happen in the West, and everybody with a Sailor Moon license would just make all the money. Mondo <sighs> money, perhaps. Ooh. So it's interesting that the first season, which Mary Grigsby looked at for her article, has so much about that, and you know, so many... So many of the villains are just trying to take advantage of of girls and women's desire for power through buying things, which is weirdly how culture gives them power these days.
3: is dizzying.
0: Well, actually, I can tie this into to what you were saying earlier, T, about the differences between the, the anime and the manga, and uh, Naoko Takeuchi's points that she was kind of the sole director of the manga whereas there were some guys working on the anime. Um, I read this article, well I hesitate to call it an article because it it read like an address and there weirdly there wasn't an author but it came from number 269 of the Comics Journal published in 2001 and it was about how uh, shoujo is feeding women's appetite for comics that western comics never even really bothered with. And in this article, in this address, uh, the author makes the point that a manga is something that's pretty much uniform throughout its run because it's usually run by one person. You know, there'll be a team of inkers and colorers and shaders and all these other people filling in the details, but like there's always that one mangaka, there's always that one person who's like the head of everything. Whereas in Western comics, you know, there's like an IP. You've got your Batman or your Spider-Man or your Superman. But then you've got kind of an army of writers. You
3: tons of people. Yeah. All working on that one AP.
0: Yeah. So like you could pick up one volume of a manga, like it. And then you've got a pretty good chance that you'll like volume two. But if you pick up a more recent, um, say, Batman comic or graphic novel, And then you say, oh, man, this is really good. I want to pick up another one. Unless the author is the same, you might get a totally different experience.
1: Yeah, you you probably will get a totally different experience.
0: Yeah.
3: Sounds like the closest analogy of the mangaka is like the showrunner. Yeah. Over here. The people who invented and are in charge of their own shows.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good analogy.
3: Yeah. The otour TV show is now becoming quite popular.
0: And I mean, tying that back in again to feminism, the writer of this piece tells a story of when they were at Seattle's Emerald City Comic Con, and they saw a little girl, you know, in a full kimono, total cosplay, just leaving the convention with her parents, and they overheard her complaining that there was hardly any manga around, because in the early 2000s, manga wasn't as as easy to find as it is today, even here north america and then the author goes on to explain how he told this story to the various vendors and um, industry insiders and like comic book publishing people he knew at the convention and the consensus that he got from all of them when he told them about this little girl leaving the convention because there wasn't enough manga was good
1: (laughs) brief aside london city (laughs) comic-con had no manga. <laughs> there was, like, one place that <laughs> had some.
3: Well, if you'd complained, you know what the answer would have been. Yeah. Oof. Good.
1: I mean, <sighs> not that we prepared for this, and we'll probably yeah. talk about this in another episode. I feel like we're going to punt, keep punting this down the road, and this is the closest that we've got. There's probably a very common theme of, like, you know, comics are a boys' club. Yes. Yes. And... Manga, while not exclusively a boys' club, has an entire genre, shoujo, mm-hmm. that is not dedicated to women, I, but, like, I have probably several shelves filled with shoujo, because mm-hmm.
3: it's great. Hey, man, yeah. I remember when Shonen Jump finally came over, and then, like, a year <laughs> later... Uh, shojo Beat? shojo Beat came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got that, too. Yeah. I was just so excited to have, like, manga magazines in North America. Yeah. yeah. But, like
1: comics very much a boys club manga while not exclusively a boys club at least has that opening because it's like well there's shoujo there's um i guess i wouldn't i don't want to make a a call to say that it's more broad but it's just like it's less targeted at a particular demographic it's just stories that people write and want to tell
0: yeah don't feel too bad about going broad because i mean the writer of this piece uh, which is entitled she's got her own thing now says in the article Shojo is about human interaction, and like if you want to paint something with a really broad brush, I mean, there's your broad brush. But the author's point here is that because shoujo is more about human interaction than I don't know people beating people up. I don't know. I don't know what shonen stuff's all about these days. Uh, um, well, friend,
3: friendship, honor, right, right. strength. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, so there's that human interaction even there.
3: After I really started to get into anime beyond what was on television and started to go to conventions and buy it and stuff, one of the anime that I really planted my flag in early on, and you can attest to this, Fushigi Yugi.
0: Oh, man. I
3: showed your anime if there ever was one.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. With author whose name I don't remember, even though last week I totally remembered their name and you, thought they were you, the author of Sailor Moon. Watase? <laughs> yes. Sorry, it's Iwatase. <laughs> No, I was. Th- it was the one for Ranma One Half. Okay, yeah. that was the one Rumiko
3: was tech, tech Takashi. Why do I know all As- these? Why do I still remember all these names? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I never read Ranma One Half. <laughs> no, but you might have seen Inuyasha. <laughs> I I did.
1: Which is the same
2: author. Yeah.
1: Talking a little bit about manga or, or just not being defined to a particular demographic, a lot of the the things that i read about sailor moon were people reflecting on how pro like femininity it is so not exclusively talking about feminism but obviously having that slant that like you know women can be whoever they they want to be Mm -hmm. um one of the quotes that i got in here um from that feminist and ode to magical girl shows let's talk about magical girl shows and femininity In a lot of more typical superhero shows, the token female character has to learn how to be strong in traditionally masculine ways. While there's nothing wrong with female masculinity, it's often framed as if successfully being like the boys is how these girls succeed at anything else. Magical Girl shows turn this on its head, giving magical girls feminine outfits and even girlier weapons or attacks. There was uh, another one, which is in the same vein, uh, from an article, Frill-Clad Warriors of justice and girl power. And uh it goes, and there is that all important message again, simply because you are a young woman, it does not mean that you are weak. You have the potential to be powerful, and you and your peers do not have to sit back and be these squealing, swooning victims in any system. Mm. Not in spite of, but because you're a girl. You can go kick your evil oppressors in the chest with your pink ribbon tied shoes. Blast them with your flowery wand and use the power of your unshakable bonds of friendship to shoot the uh, jerks <laughs> out of your lives and into oblivion. <laughs> it's not a not a 100% faithful quote. but
3: <laughs> Well, yeah, I remember one of the things that I liked about Dragon Ball Z and one of the things that I liked about Sailor Moon is they all had moves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I was, you know, I was down with that, regardless of the type of move. Mm hmm. This was all, it was all like, like codified and mythologized and in a neat little package. Anytime there's a team where everyone has their own specialities and stuff like that, I'm on board. Sailor Moon had a, had a lot of that.
1: Oh, yeah. I guess a nice thing tying like Shoujo and Shonen is while both of them take similar ideas and apply them differently, they both have this common element of, um, you know, and even in shonen, even the the like the the protagonists, the good guys, the goal is not always to like destroy or blow up or murder or kill. I know that's not the case in DC and and Marvel, but yeah. that's kind of like the ethos of the characters. It's like you know, where I want to try to make you better. In Sailor Moon, it goes one step beyond that. It's like I'm going to heal you. I'm going to make you better. It's not about setting you on fire or <laughs> or doing whatever. It's about Like, you know what? I want to make this place a better place. There are several of the um, villains who are like redeemed. Yes. Yeah. Like unnecessarily, but redeemed. (laughs) No, I just mean like because a lot of enemies just like, I got turned into a crystal and died. But
0: (laughs) yeah, well, that's kind of a thing that carries on. Um, Well, like at the time, that also happened in Dragon Ball, right? With Piccolo. But even now. You see that same thing carrying on with uh, shows like Steven Universe, where Steven is all about trying to negotiate with these like with these monsters or with these uh, other gems that aren't aren't hip to the peace drive.
1: Right. But in in something like uh, Dragon Ball Z, as an example, and I don't really want to talk about this too much. Yeah. Like. Very much showing its Shonen Roots because it's not like you feel like you can be any of the characters in the show. There's not anyone that you can relate to. It's not a story about, like, equality and, like, representation and things like that. Because, I mean, you can swap out most of the people's <laughs> attributes and, they like, if Piccolo was purple instead of green, would that change anything? No.
0: No.
3: It's about, like, an adventure or action story. Yeah. yeah. It's just like a flight of fancy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, Yeah.
1: Where Sailor Moon, like, as was mentioned, you know, got those different people who are, feel more real and yeah.
3: more relatable. At the very least begins or mostly takes place in the real world, so to speak. Or Crystal Tokyo. And then kind of works out from there.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I kept coming, like, one of the sentiments that I kept coming across was that Sailor Moon was so popular in Japan and you know, had such a fervent fan base over in North America, even though it didn't get the ratings or, or whatever, um, because it's a show about typical girls discovering their inner strengths. Oh. The characters were supremely relatable. Uh, I remember in, in an article, um, somebody that the, 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 the author was interviewing basically told them, the Sailor Scouts have the same problems as us, but they're also doing cool stuff with superpowers.
1: Man, it sounds like there's way, way, way too much stuff that we could talk about for Sailor Moon. And normally we wouldn't curtail the discussion, but like, honestly, I don't think we want to establish ourselves as a podcast that uh, you listen to for like three hours at a time. So we're going (laughs) to save, we're going to save whatever material we have for another episode. And if there is something that you want to hear about, definitely contact us. Information is at the end of the show about how to contact us. This is the part of the show where we kind of highlight uh, something interesting that we found in our research, a post to the community. I'm going to cheat and I found something that I thought was really impactful that was not a community post. It was actually just part of an article. Okay. It was from an article that I know at least G read and possibly you read it as well as It was from the exhaustive uh, Sailor Moon History from the Mary Sue.
0: Ah.
3: A very good article.
1: It was fantastic. And I had I had more time, I would have read the other three parts.
3: <laughs> I did. It's a great oh, read. Okay.
1: Wow. Okay. And the quote is as such. To an outsider, watching people dress up as senshi and act out scenes or take pictures with one another probably looks kind of dorky much in the same way that all fandoms look dorky when you're not currently entrenched in them. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's surreal thinking about how much of an impact Sailor Moon had on my life, and how much I still think about it on a near constant basis, even when I'm not writing 3,000-word articles once a week about it. (laughs) Seriously, I had Sailor Moon bedsheets growing up. I, a fully grown woman, have dressed up as a cartoon character whose face I once used to sleep on. When I see people coming together over shared love of this series, though... It's hard not to get excited about it. Sailor Moon fandom isn't exactly a perfect utopia, and there are arguments and controversies and problems, just like there are whenever you get a big group together who are all interested in something. But Sailor Moon was, and has been, so important to me, and it's amazing to see the joy, talent, and camaraderie shared by people all across the world, especially by other women who grew up with the show's empowering message of believing in yourself and your friends, just like I did.
3: I thought that was a really good quote. That's really good. I got I got something else in the, in a similar vein actually, which comes off like a community post but is also an article Ooh. from a Vice article by Eleanor Fye called "Sailor Moon fans are the best people on Earth." Ooh. I am liking this already. Okay, this is kind of funny. So I'll read pretty much the whole thing. Unfortunately, the episodes that aired on U.S. television were dubbed and heavily edited. Queer characters were portrayed as straight, and entire storylines were often restructured or rewritten. If you wanted the good stuff, uncut Japanese originals with subtitles, you had to work for it. This was back in the days of Dial-Up, long before Hulu or Apple TV, and for me, getting those unaltered episodes meant sending a bunch of blank VHS tapes to some guy named Glenn in Canada, who made illegal (laughs) copies for other Western fans just for the cost of shipping. This was damn near a full-time job for him, and he did it purely out of a deep love for the series. Once Kazaa became a thing... I often spent four to eight hours on a good day waiting for a two-minute clip to arrive on my hard drive. (laughs) Once I had the clip on my computer, I would edit it into a music video for Aqua, Enya, or Kataro, my favorite musicians as a tween. This level of obsession with the series wasn't unusual. Being a hardcore Mooney meant a devotion to the show bordering on pathological. So when Moonies met it up in real life, typically at anime conventions, the energy and good vibes were palpable. These conventions were the first time a lot of early aughts teens saw queer and trans people express themselves fully without being concerned about the homo and transphobia common in the U.S. at the time. Crossplay, the practice of dressing up in a costume of another gender, was enthusiastically received. Queer teens could chat freely about the legendary lesbian pairing of Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune, the tragic love of gay villains Kunzite and Zoosite, the gender-bending Sailor Starlights who magically transformed from male civilians to female. Keep in mind this was happening at the same time the Christian right boycotted the Teletubbies because one of them was purple and carried a purse. Mm. As such, I don't think it's a coincidence that so many of my open-minded, creative, and dedicated art weirdo friends were Moonies themselves and remember their days spent in the Moon Kingdom fondly. Last summer, a gaggle of Moonies got together to celebrate our shared childhood love at the International Sailor Moon Day in New York City. And a bunch of gifts uh, follow at the end of just fans posing and having a good time. That was a cool little story from like, like the heyday.
0: Yeah, cool.
1: So we like to do it, put a spotlight on just something interesting on the internet. Ideally, it would be related to what we talked about this week. This week, it happens to be related. Hooray! Hey, I'm actually highlight two things. One, this is the second time we brought up Tumblr. I mean, the second time in this episode, and the first time otherwise. I found out through my research that apparently a big thing that has been happening lately is people have been taking screen captures of Sailor Moon and redrawing the individual scenes. Oh. Sometimes in different styles, sometimes just like in their own style, sometimes just redrawing it. But apparently it's a a thing that's been kind of popular. Um, If you look up, if you search on Tumblr for like Sailor Moon screenshot redraw, um, and I will post a link in the show notes, you can find that. Uh, And the reason... But that's also interesting because the other thing that i want to highlight on the spotlight because it's related to sailor moon is moon animate makeup moon animate makeup which you can find at facebook.com slash moon animate is this project run by a person whose name i can't remember and that is why we link to these things um <laughs> who's taken a whole bunch of fans of the show who are artists and animators and they've taken an episode of the show and taken like five to 10 second clips of it and animated the individual segments in their own styles, which produces some really hilarious stuff and also highlights the diversity and different skills of animators that exist. We're huge fans of Sailor Moon. Uh, the one episode that I watched was something from the first season. It was the one where Sailor Moon is, um, they try to confuse the Dark Moon kingdom. They tried the, the negaverse, Okay. And it's like, oh, Sailor Moon's going to defect to the dark side. And they're like, you know, beating each other up. <laughs> good episode. And uh, also really good animation. That was the first one that they did. And apparently not too long ago, they released a second one where they take one of the seasons with Chibiusa. And instead of doing the dub, they have the sub. Uh, but it's the same idea. They've animated an episode in different animation styles. Very cool project. Facebook.com slash animate. More details there, particularly who the animators are and who the person organizing the project is. That's the spotlight of the week. It is a robust and healthy fandom from all accounts. Surprisingly.
0: Yeah.
1: Not because it's not a good show, just because, like, a lot of fandoms don't endure this long.
0: Yeah. Once the source is finished, it's just, you know, a year or two later, and then the fandom's done too. But Sailor Moon keeps sailing on.
3: All right. So, having done all this research and uh, you know watching a little bit and looking into it, are you guys interested in this fandom of of getting a little more Sailor Moon in your life?
1: I will admit that already having been a fan of Sailor Moon, it has probably rekindled my interest in Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will begrudgingly watch Sailor Moon Crystal. <laughs> Uh, but more importantly, I'm very interested in reading the manga now because at first I was kind of off-put by the style because in as much as I like reading shoujo, uh, it's just kind of old. So it has a very classic shoujo style of drawing. Anyway, mm-hmm. s- sometimes the art is really a big thing for me. But I, I feel like I, w- I definitely want to like go through it and read the manga and kind of see the differences now and because uh, apparently the anime slows down the pacing quite
3: a bit. Oh, yes. The dreaded filler so. episodes. I'm reading about those. That's Sailor Moon Uncensored.
1: Uh, not even filler episodes. It's just like because you have an anime and because an anime is a TV show and you want to pace out the episode in a particular way, you end up, I don't know, Having comparing manga and anime, you get completely different pacing of different events. Yes. So to answer your question, yes. I definitely am a convert. I am a Mooney. I want to read more Sailor Moon. Read Watch. Etc. All right. What about you, Z?
0: Well, having read up uh, so much about it, it is slightly more interesting to me than it was before. I mean, when I watched it the first time, um, you know, it was it was an anime, and like that was that was pretty much it, right? Like it was a show about superheroes doing stuff, and I mean. Reading up about it more does make me a little bit more interested in it, but I mean, I'm not sure that I'm gonna I'm going to actively seek out more. I don't think I ever finished everything leading up to Stars, so I mean, I wouldn't mind finishing R and S if that's the uh, the other two series names.
3: There's also Super S. Don't Super forget S. about Super S, my friend.
0: I don't I don't think I saw Super S. I'm sure I've seen most of R. Anyway, yeah. At the very least, it sounds like I need to read up on uh, what I have and have not seen. <laughs> uh, Gee, what about
3: you? As like I said, I was big, big into it back in the day when it was run run on YTV. I watched a bit of Sailor Moon Crystal. Didn't super enjoy it. The arts kind of put me off a little bit. I might I might go through see see if it turned around. I also am more interested in going back to where I left off, where YTV left off, and seeing what happened. Oh, man. Because, I mean, they, they grew, like, quite a mythology in the series. And, like, lots of stuff happened. Yeah. And uh, I'm a little bit curious to see how it turned out. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, going to check more out after this. Cool. Cool.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening. And stay tuned for next week's groovy episode. Ooh. A little, mm-hmm. teaser. A little teaser. Yeah, a little, little teaser. Hail to the king, baby.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And you can find us online at fanthropological.com.
1: If the website's not your bag, you can also check us out on various social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook,
3: and YouTube, all at The Nextcast.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, if you'd like to email us, perhaps let us know fandoms you'd like to see us cover or the numerous things that we missed in an episode about a fandom that you belong to, nick at The is the place to send all that stuff. You can also check us out on Podbean or the Podbean app. I suggest you do, and uh, until next time, remember, everyone's a fan.
0: the NixCast Anthropological Institute. This is Phanthropological, and that's <laughs> how the intro goes. <laughs> yes!
1: Yes! I wish we had achievements because I'd be like, first person to do this is Z! <laughs> Woo!
3: Woo! <laughs> right, I'm going to do take two. Do you need a, need a need your line?
0: Take two. I, th- I think I got this. I think I got okay. this. Okay. Live from the anthropological.
1: Or General Mills, Kellogg's, whatever.
0: I think General Mills because if you go to the website, saveoursoldiers.org.com. If you go to the website, saveoursoldiers. Uh, .org, .org. Com. If you go to the website, save saveoursailors. Can you write um, it down? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> I have <laughs> <written, laughs> it written down in several you've places.
1: Got, you've got your editing cut out for you this episode. <laughs> If you have hey, a website, you can uh, you can treat this episode like an episode of Sailor Moon. Just cut out half the Ooh, content and uh... yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, change everybody's names. And uh, yeah,
3: it be great. Oh, I have something to say about that.
1: If we Perfect. go,
0: the, if you go to the the website, save our sailors.